Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear dance educator Mary Wood in conversation with National Ballet of Canada soloist Skylar Campbell. This episode was recorded on April 6th, 2018, before a performance of the National Ballet of Canada in John Newmeyer's Nijinsky. Hope you enjoy. Well, yes, thank you for being here, and good evening, properly. Welcome to this evening's performance, which is uh, going to be a really memorable one, performed by our guests, the National Ballet of Canada, and, of course, performing John Neumeyer's ballet, Nijinsky. I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet, and it's my very great pleasure to welcome the National Ballet of Canada. And this evening, we are very privileged to be in conversation with Skylar Campbell, who is a first soloist with the National Ballet of Canada. Thank you, Skylar. It's a pleasure to be here. As is so often the case, we are privileged to have a conversation with a member of the company who's not performing tonight, but you still have another chance to see Skylar tomorrow afternoon, I believe. I actually will be in the show tonight. Ooh, cool. Well... That's a game changer. (laughs) Um, The... uh, There is so much that we um, would like to hear from Skylar about our guests and about this ballet. I'm sure that many of you, um, our loyal San Francisco audience, may have seen the production of Nijinsky five years ago with the Hamburg Ballet. Is there anyone here who did? Wonderful. So quite a few. So... That's great. That's great that you've come to see um, see it again and another version of it. Uh, I... I thought it would be kind of interesting for us because um, the world of ballet is a very international community. And the National Ballet of Canada was featured on World Ballet Day. I hope some of you were tuned into that. And were you in some of the shots? I was, yeah. I was in class more than the rehearsal, but uh, yeah. yeah, So, um, but the dancers in our company, as you know, are from all over the world. And I believe that the character of the National Ballet of Canada is similar. You have an international roster. Um, And Schuyler himself came from Southern California. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't we just start there? Start about how you evolved as a dancer and made it to Canada. That's right. So I grew up in Laguna Beach, California. Um, beautiful town, and found my <laughs> Laguna Beach fans. I love it. <laughs> um, and found my way in Toronto, Ontario, which uh, I would have never expected that. I would have never expected to start dancing either. I started at a late age of 13. Both my parents were dancers, so ballet and the art form as a medium was always in my family. It's something that I always knew, but never knew that I was going to really... Uh, take with full force. Um, Once I decided to, uh, I enrolled in classes in a local ballet school with two very good Russian teachers, and the next progression from that was to do the Prix de Lausanne ballet competition in Lausanne, Switzerland. That's um, not necessarily just the next thing for most young dancers. I I didn't expect that was the next thing, but I was just taking, Mm -hmm. I was uh, Mm -hmm. running with the punches, as they say, and taking each step as Mm -hmm. it came, and uh, it was just what I knew I had to do mm-hmm. to, to make it because I knew I wanted to be mm-hmm. a professional. And your teachers clearly perceived the talent and a gift 
and uh, urged you toward that. International, everyone knows the Prix de Lausanne. It's the international competition for students, basically. Yeah, yeah it's a week-long competition, and it's wonderful. Uh, there's a panel of judges from all companies around the world and uh, also different coaches and directors of schools watching the competition uh, throughout the week, seeing dancers in um, class, rehearsal, choreography, and on stage. So it's a wonderful chance for them to see them uh, develop through the week or see their strengths uh, because we're not just on stage all the time. You know, we do spend a lot of time in the studio, and that's, I have some, some of the greatest memories in the studio, actually, as well as the stage. Yeah. So then you were shall we say, talent spotted, um, exactly. because then the students are offered scholarships and sometimes right. apprenticeships. Yeah, so I made it into the finals, and from there I was able to speak with a number of directors from schools and companies, and there I was offered um, an apprenticeship with the National Ballet of Canada. And it, was, it seemed like the natural progression for me to take the, uh, the first gig, <laughs> and I did, and... I spent two years in a, as an apprentice, and then my second year in the company in the corps de ballet, uh, John uh, picked me to do and Guillaume to do this uh, this role. So it was kind of the first big break that I had to show myself and to show the organization what I was capable of. Right. Well, we want to hear a little more about that. Mm -hmm. I would like to know. Um, so the context of the National Ballet of Canada's repertoire, mm -hmm. kind of the character of mm -hmm. the company as it, mm -hmm. um, it's a large company mm -hmm. with a large professional school. Um, so yeah. John Neumeyer is um, a very known quantity there. Give us a little picture of just the, the portrait of the company. Mm -hmm. So being an outsider, it is very different. I mean, a lot of the company members did grow up uh, through the school, and that's their that's their progression into the company. So there aren't there are a number of foreigners in the National Ballet of Canada, but um, to be the, the the minority is is uh, gives you an edge. It makes you work a little bit harder, and to see the the Canadian dynamic, I think, is is wonderful. And I've really become accustomed to that, as well as my my roots here in Southern California. And um, it's just a wonderful environment and wonderful um, place to work in terms of uh, the touring that we've been doing the past five or six years has been very rewarding. Uh, Karen Kane, our artistic director, has a very strong vision and a very uh, strong desire to showcase this company um, and what it has to offer to the world stage. And I think um, being here is... is um, a sign of that, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I feel very privileged. The uh, the company is is the company um, state supported. Does it ha does is the arts environment in Canada something that supports a large national? It's called the National Ballet. Yeah. Um, yeah. In a way that maybe we in the states are not as privileged to to enjoy. Um, I wouldn't say it's a question of privilege. It's uh, just a question of the difference of uh, government structure. You know, we get a lot, we get large grants from the the Canada Council for the Arts, and this is something that um, is important to the country. So um, that's that's just the way. Yeah. How large organized. is the company? How many dancers? So we're seventy-five dancers. 
more or less. Uh, we have 10 apprentices, uh, five guys, five girls, and the apprentices do a lot of outreach within the greater Toronto area um, and throughout Ontario, the province that we're, we're in. So it's important to um, showcase uh, ballet as an art form to younger audiences and that may not have the chance to come into Toronto and, and see uh, right. a big performance. Right. So we, we uh, have that wonderful um, thing for the apprentices called, it's called U-Dance, mm -hmm. Youth Outreach mm -hmm. Understanding. Mm -hmm. um, and so the company has mm -hmm. many things mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that too expose our audiences yeah. per se. And then just a snapshot of the repertoire. I know you do all of the mm -hmm. standard classics. Absolutely, yeah. We just came off of a two-week run of Sleeping Beauty right before this, so the company is feeling very much in shape. And, um, <laughs> Classical shape. Very, yeah, and so this is just the icing on the cake to do ballets like this after a hard run of Sleeping yeah. Beauty. And it, I think that's important mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. To, to have that range uh, to keep it, uh, keep it fresh. Sure. And contemporary work, um, as you probably know, and you'd have to be under a rock not to know that we're about to have this incredible festival of mm -hmm. 12 new works. Mm -hmm. um, how does the National Ballet promote new work? Mm -hmm. We've just, we just uh, finished a program, actually, with all Canadian choreographers, and I think uh, staying true to those roots is very important. And... Um, this is something that uh, the company is is proud of and also diversifying with um, many of the choreographers that are in this uh, program that I believe happening next week here in San Francisco, we've worked with as well. So um, it's exciting to see their pieces, the differences in their styles versus what they've done for the National Ballet. Um, so I'm very lucky to say I've worked with many of these in-demand choreographers of our time in this moment. Well, let's just get right down to Nijinsky. Sure. Um, and there's so much to be said about it. It's yeah. sort of, where do we start? Um, this work, let's start with just the big picture of this work by John Neumeier. Mm -hmm. um, John Neumeier is familiar to most of our audience from The Little Mermaid, which, in case you haven't seen next season's Announcement: We will be reviving Little Mermaid next season. Uh, and he's also done a, a couple of other smaller works that our um, school showcase has done. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about John and what, how Nijinsky is going to show mm -hmm. us a vision of the artist that he is. Mm -hmm. So John is a fascinating artist and um, wonderful human, and I feel honored to have had this chance to work with him personally and um, speak with him on on a very you know intimate level, which not many of us in um, the ballet world get the chance to. Uh, this ballet, in particular, Nijinsky, I feel like is his baby per se. Like he's assimilated this lifelong passion to the man, the work, and the life of this. Um, groundbreaking choreographer and dancer of the 20th century, Václav Nijinsky. So for him to uh, play homage to this man, uh, I couldn't think of anyone better to do it in, for a ballet. So how, 
how do we see the character Nijinsky? And obviously, yeah. for those of you who trickled in, I'm speaking with Skylar Campbell, who is a soloist with the National Ballet of Canada and interprets the role of Nijinsky in one of the casts um, that's here this week. How does he bring the character of Nijinsky to life? Mm-hmm. So there's, then there's Nijinsky the man that you'll see throughout the two acts, and then there's Nijinsky the dancer, who John has portrayed by various dancers in the company. And through thoughts, visions, and memories, you'll see the ballet progress uh, through his mind. So Act One opens at the, begin- at the end of his life, um, where he uh, gave his last performance at, uh, in St. Maurice, Switzerland, at the Servetta House. It's a hotel there, and you'll see the set is uh, more or less an exact replication of, of what was accounted there and who was accounted there and what music was played and um, how he reacted. And so he was told to be sitting at the audience and staring at them for 30 minutes before he gave this performance. So you'll see moments of this um, more or less exact representation of what was accounted for. And then the ballet is swept up by the music of Scheherazade, which I think is a wonderful, wonderful piece of music. And then you'll see all of the things emerge, um, his relationship with Diaghilev, his wife Romola, and all of the different roles that he was infamous for, the rose, the fawn, and the golden slave. And and all of these things are intertwined into the story of uh, Nijinsky the man and the character. And significant is that he was a tortured soul and descending into Mm -hmm. um, madness and the mental illness that Mm -hmm. would commit him for the remainder of his life. So the end of Act 1, you'll see that progression where he has this moment where he's on Diaghilev's shoulder and Diaghilev throws him to the ground, and that's basically symbolizing him firing him from the ballet ruse. And it was a very hard moment in Nijinsky's life, but Diaghilev... um, was very upset that he was he had Romola uh, right. as opposed to him. So, and this is where we see Act Two, and it's a very different act. It's almost like a completely different ballet. It's very gray and cold, and um, showing the internal um, story of his of his uh, descent into schizophrenia, which consumed him for 30 years of his life. You know, he wasn't dancing for, for that long or choreographing for that long, but the work that he did and the, the time that he had on stage was very significant to have a male dancer as a center uh, figure, provocative figure that audiences of this time had never seen before. We were just chatting a little while ago about the fact that I don't think a 21st century audience can really appreciate the impact that the man and the dancer Mm -hmm. had in 1909 Mm -hmm. to 1929 Mm -hmm. because we are used to strong, wonderful male dancers. Mm -hmm. Um, How did John coach you? to inhabit that, that amazing character. Mm-hmm. Very specifically. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, he, he's very, um, very detailed-oriented, and he gives a lot of thoughts and, um, and moments for you to think about throughout the whole ballet. You know, he's not so concerned with the steps as if mm-hmm. Nijinsky wasn't either, 
but with the overall atmosphere and the intention of the movement, uh, John will ver- will dive deep uh, deeply into. And so throughout the throughout this work, I'm I'm thinking about those moments, and I'm also thinking about my um, how I would um, feel as if I were Vaslav in 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 that you know moment with Romola or Diaghilev and based on the narrative of his life. Um, so, and the music plays a big role in this piece. I think it's very, um, very fitting. The contrast of music, you know, the second act is, is Dmitry Shostakovich's 11th symphony, which is very powerful and has incredible swells and, and really just leads you to that end moment where he dances this um, solo, which he was accounted to dancing for in the Servetta house, which he's titled The War, and he wraps himself up in these carpets of red and black, and, and Shostakovich's symphony just exudes that moment. So there's the music, and there's John's dialogue running through my head, and then there's John's movement, which is, which is very contemporary and very balletic at the same time that I found myself um, feeling very comfortable with as a dancer. I felt like it fit my my style of movement. I, I felt very um, natural. This is a very strenuous role. Yes. You're on stage a lot. A lot, indeed. <laughs> like basically the whole second act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't leave the stage until the very end for about a minute or so, and then we come right back right. on. So we're, we're talking about, what, yeah. 50 minutes or yeah. so? Yeah. Yeah. So that's quite an investment so, of your... Mm-hmm. At that point in the ballet, though, it's you're, you're really just letting the ballet take, take over you, and mm-hmm. it's, it's strenuous and it's exhausting, but um, it's paced very well. You get all the hard stuff done in the first first two solos, all the the technical ballet things and the very like um, the moments that set you up for the rest of the ballet happen in the first ten minutes, and you can ride the wave from there okay um, no I was <laughs> intrigued uh, some of you might have been fortunate to have heard a conversation Wednesday night with. Guillaume Cote, who is mm-hmm. going to be interpreting Nijinsky tonight. Um, but he described the uh, time that um, John had already s- created this work. Yes. And I'm trying to remember, what was the year that it was actually choreographed? 2000. In 2000. Okay, so it came to National Ballet of Canada just... 2011. 2011. So he um, he knew his character, and he was in a room with a number of you all. Mm-hmm. And I was intrigued with how he actually worked with you before he chose who would be his interpreters. Mm-hmm. So he had us dance the first solo that you'll see Guillaume perform tonight. And um, I had no expectations. I was just dancing the way I felt like he, John, was demanding of us, and um, I guess he liked what he saw, and then from there on, I've been able to really grow into this as, as I was very new and young in the company at that time, and now I feel like I've been able to really um, make my own decisions and, and, and 
choices within the work, and it's a very nice, nice feeling to do. You mentioned that you've been able to travel or tour the work That's internationally, right. yeah. which one of our big was feats was dancing this work in Paris the Champs-Élysées Theater, and this was very special because this is where Nijinsky uh, premiered his, one of his works, and um, to be dancing on the same stage that he was dancing on, essentially, is, is quite emotional. <laughs> that would have been really special. Yeah, and for the entire company. Yeah. Many of you probably know the story of Rite of Spring. Yes, which... this was the work that was performed there, and he was accounted screaming in the, ring, in the wings, yelling the counts to the dancers, and there was a huge up, un, uproar in the audience, and a riot was accounted for outside the theater. And Is that portrayed in the ballet as well, or any element So it's of interpreted it? through a dance of 25 soldiers. It's a, it's a very powerful oh. moment in the piece, and he's yelling at the soldiers. So ah. this is when the war really has consumed him. Um, it was a big deal for Nijinsky, the First World mm-hmm. War, and... Um, he he um, was very disturbed by it, and um, this was so. John has this moment interpreted not by the literal choreography of the Rite of Spring, but by the soldiers dancing the war, and he's yelling at the soldiers, screaming the counts at them. Right, right. Haunting well, indeed. Well, we've saved a few minutes for questions from the audience, mm-hmm. if you're up for that. So is anyone ready to jump in with a question for over here? Yeah. Is there a way in which you identify with the dancer Nijinsky? That's a very good question. Um, yes, actually. Uh, being Having started late as a dancer, I felt like I was having to uh, always catch up and... and um, you know, strive for being the best that I can and not always being a little bit behind. And Nijinsky was essentially in that way very similar to where he was an extremely hard worker and very, very demanding of himself. And this is the parallel that I can draw on that. I did. The question I have a photo was, right by it. Did it's very you, special. But, There's a pair of point shoes there as well, and flowers, very, very fresh flowers still, and it was really nice. This is yeah. at Nijinsky's grave mm-hmm. at Montmartre in, in Paris. Mm-hmm. That would be a pilgrimage that most dancers would make, yeah. particularly someone yeah. so close. I think a number of us did. Yeah, that. Yeah. Good question. Um, back over here, somebody. I didn't quite hear the questions. Can you... So Nijinsky's schizophrenia started because oh, of oh. Diaghilev's rejection. I'm not sure. Um, I believe um, the the First World War had a huge part to do with his um, with his pains and his um, his craziness, essentially, and. Um, this conflict between Diaghilev and Romola, I think, also had a lot of strain on him. So this only accelerated his descent. And at that time, they they didn't know how to diagnose this disease, and they diag- they did electroshock therapy. So you'll see moments where we're just totally flailing ourselves around the stage and really um, interpreting this. Mo- these moments that he had with with those movements. So, I'm not sure exactly to answer your question honestly, but um, 
Nijinsky, um, how old was Nijinsky when he started manifesting the schizophrenia, the mental illness? Um, so his last public performance was January 19th, 1919. And he lived on for 30 years mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. that. Um, his career in the West was so only late, 10 late 20s, years. Late 20s. Um, and, you know, for the scientists among us, there was mental illness in his family. So yeah. there was probably the predisposition. Mm-hmm. Um, tricky. And there are many books written. Yeah. So we should refer you yeah. to the... So in the ballet, yeah. too, you'll see his relationship with his sister, Branislava, and his brother, Stanislav, who fell out of a window very young and hit his head. And he's, he lived his life um, very... Uh, he didn't. He didn't live for long. So, and these these moments had a had a huge impact on him. And Stanislav dances a very um, intense solo in this in the second act, which I also danced the role of Stanislav, and um, it's it's quite a powerful moment. Um, Is that where you'll be tonight? I won't be there oh. tonight. I'll be <laughs> dancing uh, Messine, another character that comes into Diaghilev's life, and Diaghilev takes Messine, who is a choreographer, and um, takes him into the ballet russe over Nijinsky, essentially, to make Nijinsky a little jealous. So I'll be, I'll be dancing. You'll see me throw on a, a tennis ball, and I come in with a racket. And these were, <laughs> this was a ballet called Je that um, mm-hmm. choreographed, and you'll, you'll see this you'll interpreted see. in the, yeah. in the first act. Fortunately, Nijinsky is someone about whom, and Diaghilev, I would have to say, about much has been written. And there are wonderful biographies and histories. Yeah. So, and they, oh, you just want to just gnaw into yeah. them. So I do mm-hmm. refer you all who are more interested in the background mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Um, I regret to say we're down to one last question, if it's a snappy short answer. Yes. There's the question. How do you dance this role without losing your mind? If you can answer this really quickly and wow. succinctly. <laughs> I like it. That's a challenge. So... Um, Having wonderful colleagues alongside and, and trusting in them to not take me so much out of character is, is important. And um, it's, it's listening to the music for me that keeps me in tune with the work and with the steps. Um, if I, if you, uh, and it's important to get consumed, like you said, and to lose your mind and to really just have it wash over you. Um, but in, in, an, in another way, it's, it's important to stay controlled and grounded. And so you have both, you're playing with both thoughts. And uh, it's, it's a challenge, um, but it's, ex- it's an exciting challenge. Well, I'm afraid that we're getting signals that it's time for us to wrap up. And there's a very exciting bunch of stuff happening behind the curtain. So we need to let them get to yeah. it. I want to thank Skylar Campbell, who is a soloist with the National Ballet of Canada. Thank you. And I know that you will all be enjoying this evening's performance, and we look forward to seeing you over the next few weeks when San Francisco Ballet wraps up its season. Good night, and thank you. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For other podcasts and audience engagement programming, please check out sfballet.org slash explore.